whether it's the catechesis of the Good Shepherd, Godly Play, or any other curriculum, the lessons we teach our children are based on stories from our Holy Scripture. And we here in the Episcopal Church particularly like the Montessori-based curriculums that draw heavily upon creativity and imagination. I wonder, questions are common, inviting participation into the stories and separating the distinction between what our ancestors learned in their relationship with God and what we are experiencing and learning today. The whole Bible consists of stories about who we as humans really are in relationship with God and one another and ourselves. And the capital T truth of these stories is not always comfortable for us to hear or to reckon with. Take Jacob, for instance. Today's lesson from Genesis reminds us of Jacob's dream of Jacob's having an encounter with God that's worth commemorating. Anytime we experience the presence of God in our sleeping or in our waking, it is indeed awesome. And Jacob received words of blessing and assurance from the Lord. What more could he ask for? He's highly favored and not just by his mother. We may recall from last week's lesson the descriptions of Esau and Jacob and how Jacob swapped his older brother's birthright for a bowl of stew. And that's not all. He's really been horrible to his brother, taking not only the birthright, but also tricking their father into giving him the blessing meant for his older brother. Jacob has gone away from his home at his mother's insistence because his brother Esau now wants to kill him. <laughs> Rightly so, right? <laughs> Fortunately, that's not Christian and charitable. We don't want to kill anybody. Note taken. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's more to their story. But for today, we recognize and remember that Jacob is not perfect. And he has an incredible experience of God. He continues in blessing with new vision into how God works or might work in his life and the world around him. But it's generally easier to navigate life by setting up a dichotomy where good is in, on one side and bad is on the other. And this is often how we categorize characters in our holy stories. If you've ever taken the Harvard implicit bias test, you know that there's um, a button that they give you for this is good and here's the bad button. And then they show you a picture and just instantaneously you're supposed to just look at the picture and, and figure out in quick rapid response whether that picture is good or bad. So you could do this with our characters from Scripture. Think about Adam, Eve, Cain, or Abel, Judas, Jesus, flesh, spirit, heaven, hell, earth. It's easier to say that something or someone is good or bad in relation to something else. But when that relationship is not so easily defined or when classification does not seem to merit the reward for which it should be assigned, things get a little murky. If Jacob isn't all good, then why does he get God's blessing? 
If he has done wrong, shouldn't he get bad consequences like the pox or poverty or something? While Jacob was away from home in the land of Gerar, he is said to have yielded a hundredfold, apparently the upper end of a harvest. And last week in the parable of the sower, the hope is to have or to be good soil in which the seed of the word of God can land and germinate, take root and flourish. And apparently even in and through Jacob, fruit blossomed. And this week we get another parable about seeds and another explanation. And remember, our scriptures teach us about our relationship with God and each other and ourselves. In this parable, the good seeds of wheat have been sown, and then seeds of weeds are also sown in when everyone's asleep. And this is not good. and needs to be addressed immediately, it would seem, but that's not what happens. The weed that was planted in the parable is presumed to be a variety that looks very similar to wheat. And scholars say that really you couldn't tell the difference until it either grew the wheat grain or not. But to pull the weed up would have been disruptive to the crop, especially if it's already been growing for a while, even if you're carefully discerning between the two. So it's better to let them grow and let those appointed by the master be the judge, not those who are ready and eager and willing to judge now. But wouldn't it be easier and more expeditious to remove what has obviously been erroneously planted or planted with ill intent? Why on earth would God let us carry on with bad influences all around us? Why would God let us be infiltrated by that which further binds us to the flesh or leads us towards death or draws us further away from union with God? I think it's because God allows us to grow and to love in our own time and in our own way. Wheat can choose to be content among the weeds, or a weed can grow happily among the wheat. One of my house plants that I set outside last summer and again this spring, when we moved, I brought it inside. And it's doing well, and it's growing. And so is a sprig of poison ivy. <laughs> and I'll find, I'll find my gloves and, and pull it out one of these days. Because obviously the poison ivy does not belong in my house or in my peace lily. And it's easy to tell them apart. It's not always easy, however, to identify the wheat or the weed, the poison or the peace in our lives, be it in our environment or in our own heart and mind. And Jesus goes right on out there in his explanation of the parable and names the sower of the weeds as the evil one the devil. And as much as we seem to avoid it in the Episcopal Church, our Holy Scripture does name Satan, the devil, the adversary. And these are all names for that which does not work to promote love and unity with God. And as a church, we're foolish not to acknowledge the work of the adversary. But we avoid it because it's not a gift we want to open. It's not a book we want to read or a parable we want to understand, perhaps because it requires us to look a little too close at our intentions, our desires, ourselves. In our parish-wide book, The Summer Ladder to the Light, Stephen Charleston uses the image of the Native American kiva. And the latter rungs take a step from step from the womb-like darkness of the room within the earth to emerge transformed into reality with bathed in light and clarity and hopefully a more mature spirituality. 
And the rungs along the way invite us to recognize and only move forward when we reckon with where we stand in our, in our faith and the blessing of our spiritual encounters in what we hope for and how we unite in community around that hope, how we act based on what we've learned and how we grow the light around us in truth, being honest in what we say and do and leading ultimately to renewal and transformation. In Jacob's dream, it was the angels that ascended and descended on the ladder between heaven and earth. On the Kiva ladder, it is the faithful who venture to descend into prayer and emerge transformed by a simple spiritual practice. And most Kivas are sacred places for intentional prayers. And we appeal to these images of the ladder and to seeds in the field to illustrate what we have going on in our minds, in our hearts, and in our souls. We are seeking for heaven to be on earth. We want sorrow and pain to be no more, for justice to roll down like a mighty river, and for the lion to lay beside the lamb, and for peace to reign on earth as it is in heaven. We say and we believe with the psalmist that darkness is not dark to God, that night is as bright as the day. And whatever our innermost thoughts, our deepest desires, or our greatest confession, God is already there. God already knows. But it's still easier for us to separate and create distinctions between what we think is acceptable and what we think we deserve. Easier for us to wear masks and that guarantee approval that then move through life in truth and authenticity. We have alongside us always the temptation to deny our belovedness and our blessedness. But what is capital T true is that the seeds are sown and the wheat and the weeds are vying for attention within us, seeking the light of our acknowledgement, waiting to see what fruit we will see through to the harvest. And the benefit of looking around with new eyes, of listening to the truth, is discovering that God is here, that God is with us whether we realize it or not. And likewise, even through to the end of time, the, the light of Christ will be shining bright as the day, and even in the night, to welcome us all who, with God's help and blessing, grow in that light, even with all of our imperfections and even amongst all the weeds. Amen.